Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. First thing you got to learn is you don't listen to losers because it's the fastest who gets paid. And it's a race from here on, no matter what happens. He's got him this time. Here they come on turn four. Must go faster. It's going to be a drag race. They touch, they touch. Oh, my God. He's going to do it. It's a video game move. Have you ever? No, I've never. Wow. Unbelievable. (laughs) You ain't first, you're last. Welcome to Running Hot, the all-new motorsports betting podcast from Action Network. I'm your host, Nick Giffen, predictive analyst here at Action Network. And joining me, my co-host, Stephen Young of Roto-Grinders, better known as Stevie TPFL. And this is the Daytona 500 episode of Running Hot. Stevie, it's time for Daytona. I know you're excited. I mean, it's Speed Weeks, Daytona. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, I'm doing great. A little tired at the track really late last night because of qualifying at the track all week, but it's Daytona 500. Like there's nothing more exciting than Daytona 500. I know the Chiefs and the the Eagles, they just kind of did their thing, but it has nothing, nothing on the Daytona 500. No, especially, especially not from a betting, gambling, sweat standpoint, right? Because anything can change in an instant at Daytona. We're definitely going to talk about that, the style of racing and all of that. Uh, Of course, we're going to give a preview of the race and then we're going to go through our picks. But before we dive into the duels and and the rest of the analysis for the Daytona 500, we do want to give you our victory lane pick. So Steve, give it to us. It wouldn't be the Daytona 500 if we didn't pick a race winner, and we both agree this is one of our favorites for sure. We're going to go Ryan Blaney to win the Daytona 500. You can get this anywhere from plus 1,200 to plus 1,300. Shop it around. Um, Finished top 15 in all four Super Speedway races last year. Best average finish, including two top fives. Eight lead lap finishes and 15 career Daytona 500 or Daytona races. Seven lead lap finishes. In the last 10 super speedway races, he's going to be there at the end. He's going to spend most of the day up front, out front, um, hopefully. Ryan Blaney was so unlucky not to win a race last year. I know we talked about it a lot last week. We're going to start our championship c- campaign campaign off with Ryan Blaney here. And um, I'm, I think he's going to get the Daytona 500 win. And I think it's going to be Austin Sindrick pushing Ryan Blaney <laughs> With Joey Logano pushing Austin Cindric, they're just going to form a train and they're going to say, we owe you everything. And Ryan Blaney is going to win the Daytona 500 this week. Yeah, I actually do think that's a part of my capping process. I'm very much a numbers guy, but I certainly am cool with buying into that narrative as well, especially when my numbers are showing value on Ryan Blaney. Ryan Blaney last year led the most laps at the the four super speedway races. So again, I'm not counting the Atlanta races. Um, Just at the four super speedway races, he led at 90 of the 737 laps. That's 12.2%. If you were to translate that into betting odds, 12.2%, That would be like plus 750 in that ballpark, give or take a little bit. Uh, So that's a long way up to plus 12 or plus 1300, I think, is even floating out there on him. So I wrote him up at 12 to 1 on Action Network in the Action app. Uh, I wrote him up at 12 to 1. I bet him 13 to 1 when he opened at FanDuel, uh, but I'm happy to bet him at 12 to 1 as well. So 
He's widely available out there at 12 to 1. Love Ryan Blaney. He is our victory lane pick. He is my only full unit bet so far on the Daytona 500 that is not a top 10 or group bet. So really hoping that Blaney starts the season off right. Like you, he's my only full unit bet that isn't a top 10 bet or group bet or matchup bet as well. So the season is finally here. Like you said, you're at pole qualifying last night. That's already taken place. And Alex Bowman, Bowman the showman, won the pole, extending his record consecutive front row starting spot streak. And alongside of him is his teammate, Kyle Larson, the exact same front two starting drivers as last year, just flipped. This year it's Bowman one, Larson two, instead of Larson one, Bowman two. The rest of the field will be set by tonight's dual qualifying races. But before we dive into those, the races and our Daytona 500 best bets, we got a few things to talk about. Of course, first up being those duels. So Stevie, let's start with duel one. What are you looking for in duel one tonight? I think both duels really, um, last year we saw not a, a lot of aggressiveness because of the shortage of cars and it was the big thing coming into the races last year, especially with the duels. So no practice this year. We just went into qualifying. We ran a couple laps and now the cars are going right back out on the track um, for these dual races. So I'm, I'm really interested to see, like, are we going to get aggressive racing or non-aggressive racing adjusting for dual two after watching a dual one, I think is really important. But I mean, as far as like going to like Alex Bowman, we have a large sample size. This is the sixth time in a row for him on the front row. He hasn't finished better than 13th in any of those five races. So he's going to keep this car clean, which definitely leads to, I mean, Byron may be struggling, but the the Fords, the Fords are right here. The, they're going to hook up early. They're going to hook up fast. And I mean, we're going to have one green flag pit stop, assuming that there's no issues. And I think that Fords are going to be the 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 group and manufacturer to watch in this first dual race. I totally agree with you. I mean, you have the Penske teammates, Ryan Blaney and Joey Logano, and their pseudo teammate, the Wood Brothers racing car of Harrison Burton there. So I do think those drivers especially hook up, but, but even just all the Fords. I know um, there is obviously Michael McDowell. He's going to try to help Zane Smith get into the show there. So maybe they try to link up with the Penske's as well. I'm also very interested in the Toyota camp in dual one bubble Wallace, uh, Ty Gibbs and Christopher Bell, they're going to be the ones I believe that end up challenging the Fords late in this race. If, if everybody's able to keep it clean and, as far as I know, this is the betting show, but as far as a daily fantasy play, I think Ty Gibbs is my favorite play on the whole slate just because I think he's going to be solo owned. And I think those Toyotas are going to go to the front. He has nothing to worry about as far as saving his car or anything like that. So very interesting DFS play. But from a betting perspective, I really like Ryan Blaney in dual one. I think, you know, I talked about this. I think you've talked about this a little bit. I feel like he's kind of owed from Team Penske a little bit there uh, as far as you know, payback for being the consummate teammate last year, especially to Joey Logano to help him win the championship. So that's what I'm looking for forward to in dual one. What about dual two? I think dual two is a little bit more interesting. The race for getting into the 500, I think is way better in the first duel between Zane and Chandler, where in the second one, Austin Hill kind of gifted with Connor Daly having issues yesterday. I mean, the first time he's going to hit the track is going to be, during this race. So I think that the race to get in way better in the first duel. Um, if I, I mean, Zane versus Chandler, if you can find like a, a head to head prop, I would just take whoever you get better value on, because I think it really is just kind of a coin flip where if we get like Austin Hill minus minus one thirty against Connor Daly, I'll pay the juice uh, because it, that's, it's no contest. There's a lot of Chevys in this race. Austin Hill should have no trouble um, getting in here. Travis Pastrana, already came out and said that, like, don't expect him to race very hard in this duel. So I don't expect Pastrana to try to beat Hill to get someone else in type of thing. So, I mean, I'm watching the the Toyotas in this one, right? Like, you have Redick with his new teammates of Martin Truex Jr. and Denny Hamlin. Denny Hamlin, one of the best super speedway racers. He's going to be aggressive. I think we're going to see a much different approach for Denny Hamlin in these dual races this year, work with Reddick, work with Truex. The Toyotas go to the front. Chase Elliott's kind of like 
not a lone Chevy, but he's going to need some help from Kyle Busch. Is Kyle Busch, you know, going to embrace this Chevy role and work with, you know, Chase Elliott? And I mean, we already know Brad Keselowski, great super speedway racer, was by far the most aggressive person in the duels last year. So definitely looking at Keselowski to potentially win this race as well, depending on what type of odds we can get him in the duel too. Yeah, for sure. I think Keselowski and Hamlin are very uh, obvious contenders to win the race. As is, I think, Eric Almirola. He's done pretty well in these duels before. But I agree with you. I think those Toyotas are going to be strong. And one guy that's actually standing out in my model is Tyler Reddick at 12-1. to 1. Uh, I'm actually showing value on him there in my model for, for the duel, duel number two here. So I think I would bet him, but I want to wait until duel one to complete before I bet Reddick in duel two, because if somehow Bubba Wallace crashes that car in duel one, 2311 racing only has one backup car. So then I think maybe you see Tyler Reddick join his teammate, Travis Pastrana in protect mode and just hanging back in that duel. So that could change it up a little bit for me. So I've actually not made any bets for duel two at all. Kind of waiting to see how duel one plays out, but as far as the rest of qualifying, is there any other notes you kind of were able to take away from qualifying and apply it to the race? I know it's pretty tough because qualifying and the race are so different, but is there anything at all that you notice from qualifying that might be applicable to the Daytona 500? Not really. I mean, there's been a lot of talk this week about Fords having an aero speed advantage. So I'm more watching that in the dual races tonight to see, like, is that really a thing? Does it look like they're a little bit better when in the draft? Because, I mean, track position was everything at Super Speedways last year, and that's something that we haven't talked about in years for Super Speedways. So I don't think qualifying – I mean, I hate the fact they didn't have like a 20-minute shakedown practice before qualifying, but I don't think qualifying really tells us much for the 500 outside of the fact that Bowman and Larson are you know, on the front row Jimmy Johnson and Travis Pastrana are in the race and they're likely going to take it pretty easy tonight. So um, I don't, I, I wouldn't expect like legacy motorsports to have a bunch of backup cars. So I, I expect Jimmy Johnson to kind of maybe feel this car out, but feel it out like towards the back and not really push it with this one. Yeah, I would agree there. And as far as qualifying for me, I guess my only notable things were um, how really good those Penske cars were not just in terms of like their aero speed advantage, but they handled really well as well. They're, those guys, those drivers were super smooth on the steering wheel. Whereas saw somebody else, like I can think of Eric Jones, for example, his car was bouncing around and he had to use both hands on the steering wheel uh, through the corners. Whereas, you know, the Penske guys, they were able to use just one hand. I noticed Bubba Wallace was also really good at just using the one hand the whole way around. So just maybe some handling things might come into play, but I mean, it's the Daytona 500. So those are tiny little things in comparison to how you just actually race and how the race itself shakes out. So speaking of how the race shakes out, Let's talk about Daytona itself, the Daytona 500. Obviously, it's got a unique racing style along with Talladega and Atlanta, which is a little different, but but similar uh, in that it's a drafting race. So for those who may be newer listeners, uh, newer betters to NASCAR, talk about Daytona, the style of racing and how that style of racing impacts betting. It's not even I mean, yeah, we were kind of classifying Atlanta as this type of race now. We can't even really put Talladega and Daytona together either because T Talladega is just so much wider than Daytona, where if you make a huge block at Daytona, you're more likely to have a 20-car pileup than at Talladega. So, I mean, Daytona is kind of its own animal. We classify them as super speedways, Talladega and Daytona, because, I mean, we like to look at as much data as we possibly can. But at the end of the day, there's so much variance, so much variance at a racetrack like Daytona where you're more likely to take a lot more long shots and instead of taking favorites because one block can take out a guy um, and, and really wipe out 20 cars. So looking at these long shots, it's completely different than what we do all season. Yeah, we look at long shots from time to time throughout the season, but I mean, the favorites are usually the favorites for a reason when we go to Las Vegas. So it's just a different mindset. And I know... You and I have talked about this for years. You're one of the best when it comes to betting and playing fantasy at Daytona. So 
I mean, we just look for that edge, and the edge this weekend is, you know, getting a plus 6,000, getting a, a 50 to 1 bet where all it takes is one big crash. Um, so, I mean, betting style for me this week at Daytona is I probably in the main 500 race won't have anybody under 10 to 1, and, you know, especially to win the race. Yeah, I agree with that completely. It's a great spot to, you know, sprinkle some long shots simply because there's so much chaos at these races and a lot of randomness. I'm a, a math PhD. I'm a predictive analyst. And what I do is I try to predict the outcome of sporting events like races and the best I can get predicting Daytona and Talladega from a finishing position perspective is about 10 to 15% of the randomness uh, I can predict in terms of finishing position. So not very much at all. Whereas a track... I don't know, let's say Texas, a couple of years I've been up north of 70% accuracy in the finishing prediction order. So uh, it just goes to show this is so much more of a random deal that it behooves you to take these long shots. Also, um, you know, when we're looking at Daytona, when we're looking at Talladega or any race, really, we do take a look at data. So what are the kind of data or research are you using when you're preparing for Daytona, whether it's fantasy or betting uh, or, or just enjoying the race itself? What kind of data are you looking at? I mean, you got to be there at the end of the race, right? So one of my favorite things to look at, and I don't look at this really anywhere else, is lead lap finishes. Um, I want to know who is there at the end of the race. I start to look at that. And I start to compare it to like average finish and average running position because is are, are these guys just running towards the back? Because at the at the beginning of the day or at the end of the day, we want someone that is going to either run towards the front or run towards the back. A lot of the crashes happen in the middle of the field or right off of like the second or third group of cars where the big block happens up front. So I want guys that are going to kind of avoid it. So when I'm looking at like my top 10 bets and stuff like that, I'm really looking at like lead lap finishes and where these guys are running. If I'm looking for someone to win the race, I want someone that's running with a higher average running position. So I'm not really looking at like overall speed where we're looking at that almost everywhere else. So I'm just, who's going to be there? Like, that's what I'm trying to figure out. I'm trying to predict who is just going to be on the track when the white flag waves. Pro teams have millions to spend and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most, when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. I think it's super important to be there. And one stat I do like to look at, like exactly like you're saying, is basically the rate at which you get caught up in a major incident. Uh, so whether, you know, I, I consider a major incident to be off of the first two laps. So the lead lap or one lap down, anything after that at a super speedway, I consider you've been in a major incident because sometimes you can have a little hiccup and you lose the draft and you go one lap down. So I allow for that. Uh, but I just look at, you know, how often you have a major incident. And one guy that really stands out to me is Ryan Blaney. 76% of the time since we moved away from restrictor plates and to the tapered spacer, 76% of the time, he has not had a major incident, which is incredibly good. That's what we want to see uh, from these drivers. Another driver that stands out is Michael McDowell at 70%. Corey LaJoy. 82% without a major incident. So some of these drivers that have avoided these major incidents at super speedways uh, are guys that I feel pretty good about because you can come back to them and come back to them and come back to them because for whatever reason, uh, whether it's them hanging out in the back or being all the way at the front of the pack, 
they know how to avoid the major incidents. And then there's other guys that just seem to be involved in it every time. Uh, and so that definitely can help your capping style as well. Uh, so overall, we've got so many different types of bets, and we're going to take you through that for the Daytona 500, right? We've got outrights, top manufacturers, matchups, group bets, all sorts of different prop bets as well. So when you're Building a Daytona 500 betting card, let's say you like a driver and you like him in his outright, you like him in his top 10, you like him in his top manufacturer. How are you building your betting card? Maybe not just with that one driver, but then overall as well. Yeah, I mean, top 10s are going to be my favorite bet when it comes to Daytona and Talladega. There's always insane value. Um, All you need is one or two big things to happen, and that happens a lot more than it doesn't. So Top 10s are going to be my favorite. And I really like the group bets. You know, this is something that we've seen a lot more over the last few years where you're getting four drivers and you're getting to pick one of those four drivers and you're getting plus odds on all four drivers. So really just kind of going through the stuff that we just talked about with the data and who could potentially be there at the end of the race and just giving myself the best chance out of those four drivers. I need my one driver to beat those other two drivers. So, um, I really like group bets and I really like top 10 bets. Now I'm going to have outright bets as well. I jump on those really early, usually, you know, a week before the clash even happens. So try to finding, try to find value in that kind of stuff. But I mean, it's just like any other race, Nick, right? Like at the end of the day, we're looking for value. Betting card at Daytona is going to be way different than Vegas, but at the end of the day, I still want the value. So I'm looking for value and most of the time, like I said, it's it's coming in top 10. So I'll have a lot more top 10 bets at a place like Daytona than I will at a place like Las Vegas. Yeah, I agree with that. It absolutely is all about value. And uh, it doesn't matter where you find value. And when we, we say value, I'm not necessarily meaning like long plus number odds. We're saying, all right, I made a bet at minus 150 on a prop bet. And because I had that as like minus 350 fair, then that's a lot of value. Um, so when we talk about value, we're not just saying a value bet being a long shot or a, a, you know in, in the plus money. We're just saying compared to the implied odds that were given, if we think this is going to happen a lot more, that's what we want to do and bet that. So totally agree with you there. We're always looking for value. But I, but I also agree, top 10s are a great place to look, but you really need to shop around. Uh, some books have a 33% hold on the top 10, whereas... Other books have over a 100% hold on the top 10. So you absolutely, number one thing you have to do is shop around. And uh, I think a great place to do that, of course, is in the Action app because you can look at all of the different books in one spot when you're trying to place a bet. You can literally just go there, click on, I want to look at Corey LaJoy's top 10 odds. You click on it and it lists all the different books that have top 10 odds and you can shop around that way super, super duper easily. So let's move into a little bit about race flow. Obviously, it's Daytona. It's the big Super Bowl of NASCAR, as some people call it, the great American race. And every driver wants to win the Daytona 500. So we know it's going to be lights out aggression at the end. But what about through the whole race, especially with the second year of this next gen car? How do we expect this race to play out? So immediate day yesterday, every single driver was like, we just can't sit back anymore. Can't sit back. We need to be in a position to attack and you cannot sit back the first hundred laps of the race anymore. So I think we see a different Daytona 500 this year. I think we see aggression from the start. I think we see a lot of two wide racing. I don't think we see a lot of like single file 30 lap runs anymore. So I think that we're going to see much more aggression trying to get yourself track position because i mean if we look at just last season i know it's four races it's a small sample but average running position correlated really well with average finishing position so you really need to have track position with this new car are there going to be wrecks yes there's going to be wrecks is aggression going to create wrecks yes it is are we going to be blocking on lap five probably not but i think we see more blocking around like the end of the second stage throughout the third stage where we typically don't see much blocking until the last like 20 laps of the race. So I think we see more aggression, which in terms for us is actually probably better for some of the long odds that we like, because I mean, the aggression always typically, you know, potentially causes crashes. So I think the flow of this race is going to be 
much more aggressive. It's one of the only races that we go to where all 40 cars in the field have a potential to win the race. So I think that we see aggression, more bumping, way more uh, too wide racing than, you know, just single file racing this weekend. And, and when you say all 40 cars have the potential to win this race, that's actually true. I mean, look at the Daytona cutoff race for the playoffs last year. Cody Ware had a chance to win that race if yep. things played out the right way. And we could see that with the Daytona 500. Is it likely? No. But it is absolutely possible that Cody Ware wins the Daytona 500. I don't think it's likely. I'm not betting it. But it's not out of the realm of possibility. And I agree with you. When you say there's going to be aggression, it certainly favors a lot of these longer shot odds. And the aggression typically comes from the front because you're trying to protect that track position. So when that happens, it takes out a lot of the good cars that are running up towards the front. And it makes way for those cars in the mid pack, or even especially in the back of the pack, because they have enough time to slow down and get through things and avoid the wreck. That really favors the long shot. So I'm really glad you were at media day there to kind of get that information, talk to these drivers about that, because that's super, super helpful information when we're trying to fill out our betting card for the Daytona 500. Okay, let's go into some drivers because we all want to know who should we be betting on? So let's break down the favorites. Of course, Ryan Blaney, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott. Those are like the four favorites by the book odds. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with those. I think you got to throw in Joey Logano in there as well. So let's say those are the five favorites. Uh, and then there's a few peripheral favorites. Obviously, there's always Brad Keselowski, Bubba Wallace is in there. Um, the, you know, Let's say William Byron is in there. Uh, so let's break down the favorites. What are you looking at from the favorites? Are there any drivers you're gravitating more towards or, or how are you analyzing overall just the favorites in general? I mean, I agree with some of the favorites, right? I, I agree with Blaney. Um, I agree with Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott, like the last 10 super speedway races, nine lead lap finishes for Chase Elliott. He's been very good at avoiding issues. Um, I think Blaney and Bubba are up there as well. Denny is just someone six top fives in the last 12 super speedway races, you know, since the start of 2020, like he's always in contention. He's won the Daytona 500 three times. So, I mean, I agree with some of these favorites now still like, I wish we could get like odds on like Larson, you know, finishing top 10 because they're always such huge favorites for Larson to finish in the top 10. And like, this is a guy I would bet no to finish in the top 10 every single time if they gave us like the odds, because I mean, he has an average finish of 23.2. Um, this is a guy that continuously has issues. They're trimmed up. Like these Hendrick cars come down to Daytona and they're they're trimmed up. It, it's just, I don't understand why, like we, we look at the numbers, you know, we could see the numbers. Everyone can see these numbers. These numbers are available anywhere. So I don't understand why every single time we come down here, it's like Larson's a favorite to win the race. Larson's a favorite to not finish the race like that in my book. Like that's what yeah. I want. Where can I bet Larson not finishing the race? Because he's not, he's finished three of the last eight super speedways on the lead lap. So uh, when looking at the favorites, he's by far my least favorite to talk about. I mean, I could definitely see betting, you know, favorite money on Hamlin, Elliott or Blaney. Logano's hit or miss. He's super aggressive. He's going to run up towards the front. So I, I, that's, you know, when I'm looking to bet. But some of the books, like, we're getting a Logano at, like, 16 to 1 on some of the books. So, like, if you're shopping Logano's lines around, he's a favorite, but you're getting him at pretty good odds um, to, you know, bet. So I don't know if I'd classify him as, like, a favorite as far as, like, we're getting we're getting Larson at, like, 12 to 1. We're getting Hamlin at 12 to 1. We're getting Elliott at 12 to 1. So shop around. Like, if you're looking at a Logano, if you're looking at, like, a Blaney, shop these lines um, because, I mean, they're all over the place. Some of these lines, some of these places, they must have taken a lot of bets on these guys to start the week because they're really low. And then some of these books definitely want some action. So shop these lines. But as far as the favorites, Blaney probably favorite for me. And then after that, it would probably be Denny Hamlin because it's Daytona and he's Denny Hamlin. Uh, I mean, there's nothing else. No, nothing else needs to be said. Uh, this guy just, he gets it. He knows the aggression and when to be aggressive and when to back off. And, um, He's just one of the best that we've ever seen on these types of tracks. Yeah, I mean, you and I both know that. We were there together in 2016 when he won the race uh, yeah. by inches over Martin Truex Jr. So um, obviously, I think Denny Hamlin's always going to stick out in my mind there. 
So there's this like, there's this mid-tier now, let's say like you've got maybe your uh, Alex Bowman's, your Tyler Reddick's of the world, your Austin Sindrick's of the world, who was last year's Daytona 500 winner, uh, Kevin Harvick, Christopher Bell. There's this like mid-tier of like really good drivers, but they're not typically favorites at the super speedways. So I do want to like kind of gloss over them because I'm very, I think any of them can win and they're all priced right around where they should be in that mid range. But I'm very curious about this, what I would call the lower mid tier. Do we think anyone from colleague racing or front row motorsports or, or any of the rookies, you know, I, like Ty Gibbs, for example, uh, how do we project them fairing are there any interesting ones you know whether it's any of the rookies or, or front row or colleague or uh i guess kind of ricky stenhouse jr he's in that lower mid-tier car but he's such a good super speedway racer that i wouldn't quite throw him in that lower mid-tier where are you looking at in this lower mid-tier because i think this is a super interesting tier of drivers yeah i mean it really is um you know going back to the conversation of anybody has a chance to win this race i mean this is where that conversation comes in we saw aj almendinger and justin haley just work phenomenally together in the Xfinity series. Now they're in the cup series. So I think colleague racing is super interesting, especially if they can get um, Chandler into the race um, on the duels on Thursday night. So I really like that. Um, Michael McDowell is always a threat to win this race. New crew chief. I think that's something to note because a lot of his success last year was, you know, strategy given. So I think Michael McDowell is always someone that's really interesting. I know we're like talking like mid to lower tier, but, Eric Amarola um, in that Stuart Haas car. Like, dude, I've had him circled for like the last two weeks. I think that he is someone, not only is he in the contention to finish these races, he's always in the contention to win these races as well. If he can go out and have a good dual race, he'll have some track positions. So this one's tough as far as like what mid-tier, you know, because we want to see where these guys are going to be starting after the duels. Like, if we want... If we want these guys, I think we're going to be looking more towards the mid-tiers that might start towards the back a little bit instead of starting in the middle because I think we're – like I said, I think we're going to see aggressiveness even in that, like, stage one towards the end. So I want my mid-tier drivers that, you know, I'm betting 30 or 40 to 1 or 50 to 1 on maybe just kind of staying out of trouble in the first couple stages. So looking that at that and then looking at who's finished, um, I mean, anybody's really in play here. I know you got a Eric Jones bet last week or the week before um, right when the books came out. I love that one because I think that he has a, a legit chance to win this race as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm very glad you mentioned Eric Almarola. Cause I, I bet him when odds drop definitely an, an Eric Almarola style race, if it's going to be chaotic and he's really good at avoiding problems again, his, his lead lap or top two lap, finish rate is 60 or sorry 76 and a half percent right up there with ryan blaney as well and bubba wallace kevin harvick in that range there so uh, another guy that just finishes at these super speedways and uh i i agree with you on aj allmendinger justin haley interestingly enough my model is showing some value on aj allmendinger at 50 to 1 now, I haven't bet that yet because I'm shopping around for the best market I can find on AJ Allmendinger, whether it's the manufacturer uh, or outright or some top 10 or, or any other thing that pops up. So I haven't bet him yet, but I will absolutely have an AJ Allmendinger bet before all is said and done uh, with the Daytona 500 week leading up to the Daytona 500. So really like that analysis. And I'm glad to hear you say Eric Jones, Eric Almarola, the very differently spelled Eric's, by the way. Uh, I'm glad to hear that you mentioned both of those because I have outrights on both of them. All right. I know the people want the picks. So it's time for some picks. We've got to dive into these bets. So we are going to take you for a lap Around the Daytona 500, yep, four turns around the track, four picks from Stevie, four picks from myself. We've taken the green flag, and it's time to dive into turn one. This is Ryan Blaney, and we're running hops. Okay, Stevie, start us off. First Daytona 500 pick, what is your turn one pick? I mean, we've talked about it, I feel like, a lot already, but... Top 10 bets, right? So Todd Gillen, top 10 plus 500. Love this. You see me smiling because here we are. Five to one top 10 bet right off the bat. This guy just finished seventh at Talladega in the fall. He is someone that has crashed three of his first four super speedways. So there is some risk here. Obviously, 
My model, though, has him around a 22% chance of finishing inside the top 10, which is nice value at 5-1. to one. These long shot odds, these are my favorite types of bets for the 500. And getting a driver to finish top 10 at plus 500. And if you shop this around, it's kind of moved a little bit. So you might be able to even find it better. So really like Todd Gillen. I think that they obviously hit on something at Talladega. He had a a much longer average running position, which to me tells me he stayed towards the back a little bit more. So I'm hoping that he works with McDowell, McDowell and Gillen, you know, both having potential to finish inside the top 10. So Todd Gillen, top 10, five to one is where I'm going to go for turn one. I I love it. And, you know, you said you have him at 22% to finish in the top 10. My model has him 21.3%. So we're both right in that range, right? 20%. That means one out of five times, so plus 400 would be fair value. And we're showing a little bit better than that. So we're showing in the high plus 300s as fair value. Getting it at five to one, that is super duper value. For my turn one pick, I'm going to take Todd Gilliland, but I'm not going to take him in the top 10. I mean, I will, but uh, I also am going to take him as the top Ford finisher. I'm going to put 0.2 units on that one. I actually took him... Uh, at 55 to one. And I wrote him up at action network at 55 to one. He since moved to 40 to one would absolutely still bet him at 40 to one. And that's because my model has him at 4% to finish as the top forward, which is 25 to one as fair odds. So very happy to get this at 40 to one. Still Uh, you mentioned how well he has run, uh, especially in that playoff Talladega race but also the two Daytona races in last year's Daytona 500. He ran in the top 15 for 70.5% of the laps that he ran. And then, of course, he crashed out with 12 to go in the big one while running inside the top 10. The big one that broke my heart. I was literally leading the Millie Maker when that crash happened. Uh, He also has 69.1% top 15 rate at that playoff Talladega race and then uh, Daytona he was over 50% inside the top 15 as well so when you're running in the top 15 as frequently as Todd Gilliland is all you need to do is avoid the wrecks and then you probably only have a couple Fords you need to beat so 40 to 1 just too long here for Todd Gilliland like I said I got him fair at 25 to 1 so I'm hope I'm happy to bet it down to 33 to 1 that leaves us a little wiggle room in case my model's a little too high on him although I don't think it is because mine's I think even just a touch lower than yours is and I've seen other models out there that are even higher on Todd Gilliland so uh definitely like this I I'm totally fine with betting him all the way down to 33 to 1 for top Ford all right we've got through turn one time to go into turn two I'm Denny Hamlin, and this is turn two here on Running Hot. It's time for another pick. What is your turn two pick? I'm going to go to one of these group bets. You know, we, we talked about these at the beginning of the show. Um, this one right here is a group C. This is on multiple sites. It's Keselowski, Wallace, Cindric, and Reddick. I'm going to take Bubba Wallace plus 250 at a full unit here. Wallace is the best average finish of any driver over the last eight Daytona races, not just this group, any driver in 11 Daytona races. He has four top five finishes and seven lead lap finishes. We saw with this new car running position matters at Daytona and Talladega. Wallace had the fifth highest average running position while Cendric was ninth. Keselowski was 20th and Tyler Reddick was 27th. If we take the Rex out of the equation. I have Wallace as the favorite to win this group. And we're getting him at plus 250 where everyone else in this group is. So not only do I like Bubba Wallace to win this group, I think he has a chance to win this race. He's shown time and time again that he definitely has what it takes to win these super speedway races. So give me Bubba Wallace over these other three guys at plus plus 250 as my turn two pick. Very nice pick. Uh, Of those four, he has the second highest rate of finishing on the first two laps only behind Austin Sindrick, who doesn't have a very large sample size. Right. Uh, but that means, you know, with all these other guys, they have much larger sample sizes than Sindrick. So of those other three, uh, obviously they're Bubba Wallace, the best at finishing on the lead lap or, or one lap down, uh, usually on the lead lap for him. I mean, he's that good. So really like that pick. I'm going to, for my turn to pick, I'm going to stay with you on these group bets. I love the group bets here this week. And I'm going to go to group B. That's Joey Logano. Kyle Busch, William Byron, and Ross Chastain. And of those four, 
I'm going to take William Byron at plus 290 for a full unit as well. I have Byron slightly favored over Logano to win the group. I know that's probably a little blasphemy uh, because I think we all think of Logano as the better super speedway racer, but he also doesn't finish a lot like we talked about at earlier in the show. He's so aggressive that he gets wrapped up in a lot of these wrecks. So I actually have Byron slightly favored over Logano to win the group. And uh, even if it was the other way around, even if Logano was slightly favored over William Byron, we're getting Byron at plus 290, whereas Logano's plus 250. So there's still extra value there on Byron. Uh, Byron also is, you know, he he's had trouble finishing the super speedway races, but I feel like that's been a lot more bad luck than aggression. But when he finishes, he usually finishes really, really well. He won at Daytona in the summer of 2020. He was second in 2019 at Daytona. And Talladega 2021, again, second. So he's had a lot of top two finishes at these super speedways. So when he does finish, he's very often finishing up front. Even just last year, he led the most laps at Atlanta one, which is what I call a pseudo speedway. It's got that super speedway with a little mile and a half feel. Uh, So not the best comparison, but it's still a drafting race. He led the most laps there. He also led the most laps at the first Talladega race last year. So the guy is running up front. He's finishing up front when he's not getting caught up in these wrecks. Uh, So I actually have him winning this group about 28% of the time, which is plus 260 as fair odds. So I like it at plus 290, probably would bet it down to plus 275. I'm curious if you have any thoughts on, on this group in particular, Stevie. I'm not a huge Chastain fan when it comes to super speedways. So kind of crossing him off. Um, so I really think it does come down to Logano, Kyle, and Byron. I, I mean, Logano, I think he's someone that finishes top three or outside the top 20. So, I mean, getting plus money at that, um, I expect Kyle Bush and maybe Byron to work together. So you just kind of hope that, you know, maybe Bush is pushing Byron at the end of the day. So I like this one. I, I like it a lot because you're getting it at plus 290. You're not getting this at like plus 250, like you were talking about with Logano. So, I do like this one. Um, again, man, like I'm about to get into more about Ross Chastain, but I really think this is a three-player group. I- I'm yeah. just going to go out and say that. I-, I like it. I agree with you there. Even though he did win a super speedway race last year, I still, on the whole, am not a-, a Chastain guy at super speedways, especially at the odds that he's at now since he did win that race at Talladega last year. All right, so I'm glad you didn't throw a block on me on that pick because uh, we're going down the back straight, and that that you know a lot of blocks happen there. You can get a big wreck, but we made it through the back straight. Now it's time to dive into turn three. I'm Austin Dillon, driver of the number three, and this is turn three here on Running Hot. All right, in turn three here, Stevie, what is your third pick? I'm going to go to a head-to-head matchup. You're not going to. See me talk about these a lot when it comes to Daytona Talladega, but you're going to see me talk about them a lot overall throughout the season. Denny Hamlin over Ross Chastain, minus 120 at BetMGM. I checked before we got rolling. This is still up. It's that feud that people want to be a thing, and it keeps being a thing because Chastain keeps wrecking Hamlin. But this is not even close. I'll I'll play the juice on this one because Denny Hamlin is a much better super speedway racer than Ross Chastain. Chastain has zero top 10 finishes in nine Daytona races. He's only finished on the lead lap three times in those races. He's a very, very aggressive race car driver, which is fantastic. But when you're very aggressive and you're making a ton of blocks throughout a a whole day worth of racing at Daytona, you're likely not going to finish on the lead lap. And that's what continues to happen with Chastain. (laughs) Denny Hamlin, on the other hand, Dude has 22 lead lap finishes in 34 races. He's finished in the top five in 11 of those races, including three wins at Daytona. Like this is, this should be like minus 160, 170, even in a head to head at Daytona. So I think this is insane value, even at paying the juice a little bit um, over there on MGM. So really like Denny Hamlin to beat Ross Chastain and you can throw all the blocks you want, but I'm taking Denny Hamlin in this one. Yeah, I uh, I have a hard time personally just taking minus odds at super speedways. But if I did, I would take this one. My model actually is showing value on Denny Hamlin here at minus 120. My model has Denny as the race favorite, and it's not super high on Chastain. So I was very surprised I actually showed value on this at minus 120. So sure, why not? I'm, I'm, I'm happy to go on board with a minus bet. 
at a super speedway. There's not many of them, Nick. There's exactly. There really aren't. There really aren't. And and that's why when you find one, I'm, I'm super impressed. Well done there on finding a minus odds. All right. I'm actually going to stay on the head-to-head train here as well. And unfortunately, it actually is currently off the board, but I do think it'll come back up at some point. And if it does, Jimmy Johnson plus 130 versus Alex Bowman. I love this bet. Uh, I'm not super high on Alex Bowman at super speedways. He's just a guy that he doesn't dominate. He doesn't run up front. He kind of just runs around in the pack. And when that happens, you can get caught up in wrecks. And uh, Jimmy Johnson is is Jimmy Johnson. I mean, he's the seven-time NASCAR Series champion. He's so experienced. And one of my favorite things about Jimmy Johnson, I know he's been away for a few years, but he was in IndyCar and the first oval race he ever ran in IndyCar finished sixth against some of the best IndyCar racers in the world. He beat a few of them. I mean, this is, he's a good, he is still a good racer. And hell, IndyCars are faster than NASCARs. So uh, it, I'm not worried about his reactions or anything like that. Jimmy Johnson, I have no problem with taking him here at the Super Speedway. And this is partly just a fade on Alex Bowman. And also just I love getting plus 130 on a head-to-head matchup at a Super Speedway. Uh, Another nice thing, and obviously Jimmy's locked in, so we don't have to worry about if he makes a field or doesn't. Um, So if you find this matchup at any book now, you can bet it. You don't have to just bet it at a book that is must start for action uh, because Jimmy is going to start. So you can bet him at any book now if if, if this reopens anywhere uh, with Jimmy Johnson at plus money. I would say anything over plus 115 versus Alex Bowman. So my model has about plus 115 fair as well. So as long as this pops back up, I'm going to take Jimmy Johnson plus 115 or longer versus Alex Bowman. And I do think as we get closer to the Daytona 500, we'll see a whole plethora of matchups and uh, other kinds of prop bets. So I do think this one will pop back up at some point in time. Um, Just curious about maybe your thoughts here as well. What do you think about Bowman in particular? We'll get this bet pop back up. It's the battle of the 48s, right? Um, Yeah. Books love this kind of stuff. So yeah, I mean, I like this a lot because Jimmy's not running for points. He's not running a full season, so he doesn't have to go up there and mix it up in stage one and stage two. He can kind of keep the car clean. Alex Bowman's had all the track position in the world at Daytona and at Talladega and just has never done anything with it. So, uh, yeah, I love this. Um, love the fact that, like, we're getting a guy that running for points against a guy that needs points and that has track position and, you know, very trimmed out race car because he has the pole. I mean, Look at look at his speed last night. There's no way that car's not super trimmed out for qualifying. So, uh, yeah, he's not even going to get to mix it around a lot in the duels tonight either because the car is so trimmed out. So, really like this Jimmy Johnson um, plus money bet over Alex Bowman. I'm with you. I, I like this one a lot. Yeah, I think uh, I think this is one of my favorites and uh, of the whole you know slate that I've found so far. So definitely one I would recommend. Like when I talked about up top bankroll management, this is a really good one for bankroll management because it's quite likely to hit. I mean, just around 50-50 to hit and it's good value. So uh, I, I like this one a lot. And when we talk about that stat of you know finishing on the lead lap or anything like that, since 2019, Alex Bowman at these races uh, has finished on the lead lap just seven out of the 15 since we moved away from restrictor plates. So not a very good rate there for him as well. And like you said, all the track position in the world has done absolutely nothing with it. All right, that gets us through turn three, and now it's time to head into turn four. I'm Noah Gregson, and this is turn four here on Running Hot. Okay, Stevie, we see the start-finish line in sight. I need your turn four pick first. Well, last week I I started, I feel like I started a thing, right? Like I'm just going to make my turn four bet like the hot take turn. Um, I did, for everyone that listened last week, when I got into Tennessee last weekend, I did take Chase Elliott under three and a half wins, like I said I would. So um, I'm going to go top Chevrolet, Ty Dillon at 50 to one for the Daytona 500 as my turn four pick. Chase Elliott has the best average finish, 15.1 among Chevy drivers over the last eight Daytona races. Ty Dillon has an average of 15.2. He's only run six of those eight races, but with the variance that Daytona brings, I'm excited to jump on a long shot at 50 to one compared to Elliott, who is four to one on almost every book to be the top Chevy. Again, Chase Elliott's done fantastic in finishing these races. He's been in contention. I'm not saying that he doesn't, but I'm saying that there's no reason that we shouldn't be looking at Ty Dillon at 50 to one. There are a lot of wrecks, and I don't think this hits because Ty Dillon tends to run around towards the back. 
With that said, I'm hoping if there are a lot of wrecks, he's there at the end of the race, which gives him a chance for us to hit big to start the season and start turn four off with a nice little 50 to one. Not throwing a ton of money at this, but I do like it. Um, It goes back to that fun factor, right? I'm going to have a 50 to one bet that has a legit chance. And there's not many times you're going to get that throughout the season. Yeah, I agree. And I love this bet. I, you and I, we've agreed so much. We promise in it's future Daytona. episodes. It's not going to yeah, happen every saying, week. <laughs> I promise we're going to disagree at some points. But right now at Daytona, we're on the same page here. Last year, I took Ty Dillon top Chevy 40 to 1. Uh, and he missed out on top Chevy and top 10 by one foot to Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott finished 10th by like a foot over Ty Dillon in 11th. So I missed out on 40 to one top 10. I missed out on plus 350, or sorry, 41 top Chevy plus 350 top 10. Ah, but I, I'm totally happy to go back the well here on this one. So right there with you for my turn four pick, I'm going to go, it's the Daytona 500. So I'm going to go with the plus 500s. I'm going to take Todd Gilliland, like you did earlier, Corey LaJoy, Zane Smith and Chandler Smith, Smith each at plus 500 for a top 10, make sure you grab Zane and Chandler, at least those two, at FanDuel because they are not locked into the race. But FanDuel is must start the race for action. So if they don't make it, you get refunded. Uh, but I have all four of these guys at over 18% to finish inside the top 10. And even if they take away a little bit from each other, uh, you know, if one of them finishes top 10 and there's only nine other spots, it's still quite possible to hit two of these. I mean, just look at the top 10 parlay heard around the world last year where uh, one guy parlayed a bunch of the back markers into a million dollars with just a $13.50 bet. Uh, So we're not able to parlay top 10s anymore thanks to that, but there absolutely is room to get multiple of these guys into the top 10, especially if we have a rec fest. These guys are going to be a little bit correlated, not as much correlated as the really bad back markers, uh, but these guys will be correlated a little bit. So I'm okay with the fact that they take away spots from each other because all I need is one of them to hit and I profit. Uh, and if and if one of Zane Smith or Chandler Smith gets refunded, which is very, 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 very likely to happen uh, because they're racing in the same duel and Johnson has already locked his way in, then all we need is one to hit and we'll profit three units uh, if just one of them hits. So I love backing all three of them. I have all uh, all four of them, I should say. I have all four of them over 18% to finish inside the top 10. Uh, so make sure you shop around, but also for Zane Smith and Chandler Smith, make sure you look at your house rules when locking in a bet on them. You don't want all bets are action. You want must start for action on Zane Smith and Chandler Smith, but I'm going to take the plus 500s for the Daytona 500. Finish in, the, finish in the top 10 is my turn for pick. All right, dude, that's the show. That's the Daytona 500 show. Any Any final thoughts for you, Stevie? I mean, I know we're both super excited. Being excited is one thing. Being at Daytona is another thing. So I am—I can't even tell you how pumped I am for this race. Pumped isn't even the right word. There's not a word that like describes the feeling when you know you're going to be at Daytona for a weekend. Oh, yeah. There's no better feeling in the world. And I'm just ready. I hope you all are ready as well. Good luck with your bets because that's going to do it for us. Thank you for listening to the Daytona 500 episode of Running Hot, the all-new motorsports betting podcast from Action Network. We'll be back this time next week for the final race under the current two-mile configuration at Auto Club Speedway before they change that up. Uh, Last year's race had an exciting finish, so I'm very excited for cars to race there again at Auto Club Speedway. On behalf of my co-host, Stephen Young, thanks again for listening, and we'll see you back here next week on Running Hot from Action Network. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.